so I'm hyperventilating a little bit. If I fall over, pick me up because I've got some things to say. Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group they're rather stupid. That men are essential for procreation, but when it comes to pleasure, unnecessary. Dinosaurs eat men. Woman inherits the earth. Safety lights are for dudes. Safety lights are for dudes. <laughs> well, put some skates on. Be your own hero. Things in the air, Kristen. Lord, please give it up for the dazzling vocal stylings of Miss Skimmer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where four awesome women talk about all the news that the guys don't talk about in ways that they definitely don't talk about it. I am Karen Peterson, and joined by Kimberly Pierce. Hello. <laughs> I was like, where are you, Kim? <laughs> I uh, take myself off mute. <laughs> uh, Kristen and Lauren are both out slutting it up. I don't think they're together, though. Um, but that could be interesting if they are. Um, but we are joined today by two very special guests, Caitlin Durant and Jamie Loftus from the Bechtelcast. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited to have you here. We're psyched to be here. Could you talk a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, we host the Bechtel cast together, uh, and normally we invite uh, a guest to pick apart a different movie every week uh, with uh, through the lens of how it represents and portrays women, which we've found to generally be very not good. Yeah, and then we use the Bechtel test as a jumping off point for discussion, um, even though we sort of talk about all sorts of um intersectional stuff yeah yeah it's a great podcast and if people haven't listened to it i definitely recommend checking it out because it's it's so you guys are hilarious but your insights are really really in depth too i love listening to the way that you break things down and sometimes there are films that i'm like oh i love that movie and then you start talking about i'm like wait do i still love it i I mean i I have to think about this really the story (laughs) of our podcast where like i've had to talk about so many film movies that i like used to love and then i'm like wait a minute this is trash (laughs) this is horrible to everybody Mm -hmm. except for straight cis white men so yeah. And then there's the occasional movie that will like surprise you in not sucking as badly as you thought it would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. What's one that really just disheartened you? We just did an episode on 40 Days and 40 Nights that made me want to fall out of a window. <laughs> oh, is that the Josh? Yeah. 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 Sure is. Unfortunately. Got him. Yeah. some a few that like really disheartened me were like movies that had previously been favorites of mine like back to the future and raiders of the lost ark and raiders of the lost ark is brutal yeah (laughs) indiana jones is a child predator spoiler alert yeah (laughs) i maintain she was legal but anyway (laughs) Um, <laughs> well, you guys also do live events, and we got to go see one of your live shows in LA. That was really oh yeah, really fun. thanks for you coming. Have, you have a fun crowd. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, all right, well, we're going to get right into our agenda for today. And actually, it's funny because a lot of this stuff just broke in the last 24 hours or so, but we have a lot to talk about. Um, let's start with the big news that hit Twitter last night, and that is um, Barbara Streisand is apparently applying for cancellation. <laughs> Who knew? Um, <laughs> so... This is an article that I I saw it last night on Twitter and I sent the message to my co-host and said, this is a joke, right? This isn't real. This can't be real. So Barbara Streisand was giving an interview to the Times in Britain and Daily, New York Daily News picked this up. So that's where I was. I've been trying to find the actual, like, the real quotes in context because it's just so hard to believe that she would say these things but she was talking to the times about michael jackson and the leaving neverland documentary which i don't know if you guys have watched that yet but i haven't um, had I'm working my yeah it's brutal but um yeah so here's one of the quotes she said his sexual needs were his sexual needs coming from whatever childhood he has or whatever dna he has you can say molested, but those children, as you heard, as you heard say, they were thrilled to be there. They both married and they both have children, so it didn't kill them. <laughs> Good I to mean, know that she is pro molester. I don't. I'm never surprised when a pretty old person ends up having a terrible opinion about something. Um, but this is. I, the, the the tweet that I saw about this story that I thought was sinister and funny was just like, no one ask Liza what she thinks. <laughs> like, <laughs> just yeah. don't. It's very strange to me. It's just like, I didn't need to know what Barbara Streisand thought on this topic. And now I dislike her. And why must the world be that way? Yeah, I don't. What compelled her to to just... I mean, what? What? What is this? this? Is the worst take? It's so easy to not take the side of a dead molester. Like it's just the simplest thing. Yeah. Well, that's my question too, and this is why I was trying to find the the context because why? Why? <laughs> if someone <laughs> asked me about that, and it was like, and my inclination, which it's definitely not, but my inclination was to defend him in any way, I would just not. I would say, you know, that has nothing to do with me. Let's talk about something else. Yeah, like process it on your own time and let the victims live their lives. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, what do you what do you want to say about it? I was just well, I was just actually looking and of course now I can't get into the article because it's requiring a subscription. It looks like the the Sunday Times ran a profile on her yesterday which I'm assuming is probably where she's quoted, but of course I still can't get context because I'm not a subscriber. But I'm kind of with everybody else on this. It's why, why comment on this? Just don't, don't go near it. It's these quote, this is horrible. I mean, the yes, the parents are rightly, I, I speaking as someone who has not watched Finding Neverland yet and speaking as somebody with, uh, a fairly superficial knowledge of most of this. The, I mean, the parents, yes, but God damn it. No, wait, it's no, it, yeah, it didn't kill them, but no Babs, no, this, this doesn't, don't, don't talk. This is 
truly, truly horrible. I pains me that she let, you know, she spoke to this point on this because yeah. no, the sympathy needs to be with these victims and everything that they went through. And you can't get much more, I guess, yeah, old person giving their hot take opinion <laughs> than this one. It feels like a case of, I, I mean, is it that she doesn't really believe the victims? I mean, it, I feel like that has to play into it to some degree because this feels like a case of oh well you know he's such a beloved musician and you know and you didn't die like it's just so bizarre it's i feel like it's half acknowledging victims and then half just blowing it off of saying like well if you don't die then it's not an actual offense like it just doesn't make any sense it doesn't. And now I'm really curious for someone to ask her some questions regarding the Me Too movement because right. uh, I have some questions like, about some of her thoughts on some many, of those things that have come I out. I honestly you know? don't want to know. I don't. I don't. <laughs> that's probably that's, better. Yeah. If that's where she falls on like this topic, then I just don't really want to know what she thinks about anything. Like, yeah. <laughs> anything. <laughs> sometimes just it's fine to not give your opinion on everything really we don't have to have quotes from everybody on everything especially if you're like ill-informed as she seems to be like maybe just don't say anything right like it's like if she's trying to uh you know not get canceled just shut up it's the easiest thing (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, and this is the kind of thing we keep seeing this happen. And actually, I cannot remember. I was trying to find it. I can't remember who said it. But someone tweeted last night, uh, never become so famous that you think every thought you have deserves to be vocalized. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, that's so true. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's also anyone with a Twitter account, too. Yes. (laughs) These things can come back to haunt everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, just like looking at Paul Schrader when he made his comments about Kevin Spacey last year and how oh I have this part that would be perfect for Kevin Spacey it's like you, you can keep that to yourself you don't have to tell everyone that you think that you know I kind of right. not gonna help see you. I feel like I, I want the people who suck to voice their opinions so that we know that they <laughs> suck so that we don't like Inever- like inver- inadvertently end up working with them or like uh, yeah I, I i sort of want the shitty people to say their shitty things so that we know who not to pay attention to and who not to like give jobs to and stuff like that that's a really good point that's yeah touche touche yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i've I been waiting it's just like the exhaustion of the news cycle of like and this person sucks you're just like of course they yeah. do and it's so hard to <laughs> at this talk. point basically everyone it's, does. yeah there's so many i like i have to be like oh wait do i hate this director or not like is he one of the ones that can't like i it's so hard to keep track these days i need like it's a lot of emotional labor for the world yeah to have to keep up with like who has torpedoed their career by voicing their hideous <laughs> opinion it's so true there have been times where i go to retweet something somebody wrote and then i have to stop and like check them out and like is this someone i can retweet comfortably like is this gonna come back to bite me if i do you know right and it's not sometimes... about their tweet it's about who they are yeah 
Right. And then if, if you retweet the wrong person, everyone comes for you and they're like, you are, you're aligning yourself with this person who said that <laughs> women should be on fire. I was like, fuck, I didn't know that. Exactly. You said that five years ago. When did that happen? I missed that. It's so, yeah. and it's like, it's valid and important. And I want to be able to keep up with all of these stories, but it's the volume of them is like overwhelming. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's true. So how do we balance that? That's that's the question I'm constantly asking myself. Like, how do I figure out where to when to care and when to just not worry about it? Let us know if you figure it out. We're constantly trying. <laughs> that's like a big part Someone of our show too. Is, yeah. yeah. Someone yeah. needs to like a lot of our show is figuring it For out. For sure. Someone needs to fig like develop an app where you can just like type in someone's name and it like any horrible things they've ever said just like comes up and then you can evaluate you can decide how you feel from <laughs> yeah. there yeah oh my gosh that would be brilliant god although also was, terrifying what a thing, but i also was like <laughs> that would be helpful, helpful. <laughs> it was. it's so true Ugh, so yeah. true what a world. oh man let's see where do we want to go next um Let's talk about, well, more things that are stupid and terrible. Um, although, much less terrible. This is just more about art. But uh, So the movie Rocket Man is coming out in May or June or I don't know, something. I it's heard coming out soon. Yeah, that sounds right. And it's the movie that is sort of a biopic, but not entirely, about Elton John with Taron Egerton, which, side note, I heard a track from the song and I actually thought it was Elton John singing and then I looked at it and it was Taron Edgerton and I was oh, my brain okay. couldn't understand what was happening. Oh, cool. I was just so like, you're, wait, you're is he gonna actually be good? <laughs> I heard I that trailer. I'm like, that's not Elton John. No, 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 no. It wasn't in the trailer, it was an actual track that came up on Amazon Music. Really? Okay. Yeah, and I thought it was Elton John at first. Impressive. And then I I'll have to and look. then something sounded not quite right because it was I can't remember which song it was. I'm still standing, maybe. And I was just like, "Wait, wait, th- wait! This isn't right. I've heard this song a million times." And then I looked, and it was yeah. I was very that's confused. And- <laughs> so maybe it'll actually yeah, not be terrible. Although I mean, him sounding mm-hmm. like Elton John, I mean, doesn't make it. I mean, I don't know. I've 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 seen the trailer a couple times. It. I will. I will see the movie. I don't think it necessarily looks good. I also like have a, a, a supreme aversion to musicals or any movies where people are singing in them, except for there's one exception. And that of course is <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I think it still might be bad or maybe I'm just assuming that based on Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm not sure. I know. I I feel like we have like a high tolerance for like mediocre impressions and biopics and then just being like, wow, pretty close. And it's like, and then, and then anytime it's like a woman in a biopic and she doesn't like nail the impression and basically turn herself into a clone. They're like, she's, she's terrible. She's horrible. (laughs) She's the worst. But like if like Rami, (laughs) she better not get numb. But like Rami Malek pops in some fake teeth and we're like, he's so great. Here's an Oscar. (laughs) Oh my gosh. His Oscar scene being him lip syncing and not even in an actual I know I'm like I was just like yeah this sums up the movie I've given equally compelling karaoke performances (laughs) and never received anything (laughs) 
Right? Exactly. I love him, but yeah, that was silly. Yeah. Um, so the movie Rocketman's coming out very soon, and apparently there is some discussion about whether to include a scene that involves Taron Edgerton and Richard Madden, um, who plays Joe Reed, his manager, who he was in a relationship Elton John was in a relationship with at one point. And apparently there's a scene that's 40 seconds long that shows them in bed together and the studio wants to cut it. And there's been some discussion about the motives for that. Some people say it's because of homophobia. Other people say it's because if they include that scene, it can't be PG-13 and they want to keep the PG-13 rating. So, yeah. What do you guys Um, think about Well, here's my guess. Even if they are, or it's like implied that they're naked, I, I'm guessing they're not going to show, like they're, they're not going to show. It's not a porno, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're not going to. And if right. it's just them yeah. cuddling, I'm guessing they're going to be like covered up to some extent. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they are going to show some some peen, some peeps. So the Dark Horizons article where I where I read this says. Um, the scene includes a 40... It's a 40-second scene that shows Edgerton and Madden writhing on a bed. Oh, that sounds kind of horny. The scene shows both their asses, but is said to be tastefully done. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that the rating system will lean in a homophobic direction before they don't. Because there's there's mm-hmm. so many PG-13 movies that feature like hetero couples that you're like, oh, that is allowed? Okay, you know... I Titanic. mean, right, exactly. We see, <laughs> right. we see exactly. her her boobs on screen for a long oh, time. Okay. So <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I'm guessing that like the way that um, queer love scenes and hetero love scenes are going to be treated differently by the rating system, which is like infuriating. Oh, but that's not like a known surprising to hear. Yeah, yeah that's like something that just... was explored in a documentary called "This Film Is Not Yet Rated," and like. Oh right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are there they'll put like a queer love scene and then a straight love sex scene um side by side and they will be identical, but the scene that features queer people will uh get like the NC17 rating. Right, right. And it's like so like queer love scenes need to be so vanilla, which isn't fair cuz queer people have better sex. <laughs> yes. Um and yeah and and i don't know i'm not surprised here i saw a tweet from the director of the movie that was like you know nothing the movie isn't done being edited please please stop being upset um so i hope that that means there's some hope for uh a real queer love scene in a major movie i feel like that's so needed um yeah i don't know Well, and in a movie that's not rated R, a movie that, because the fact is that even though R ratings don't stop a lot of people from going, they do still stop other people. And if we want to show that these relationships are every bit as normal as a you know heterosexual relationship, then you need to put this content in films that the masses are going right. to see. Exactly. Because it, it makes it more accessible. It makes it less like off-putting i guess it, for people it normalizes and, what's yeah. normal um yeah exactly and then for like younger yes. audiences like that's i don't know that sort of representation normalization is like really really important and i wish that that existed when we were younger for sure 
I think that if they use the excuse of, oh, we want to keep it PG-13, I mean, think about who the audience is for this movie. I like, I mean, maybe there's some like 15 year old kids out there who just love Elton John, but like, you know, he, like, this is like, his fans are not. I mean, I did when I was 15. For the most part, I'm guessing. So, like, I think if they use that excuse to, like, oh, we want teenagers to be able to come see this, or we want, you know, the widest audience possible, like, I just don't know how many, like, you know, 13 year olds are enormous Elton John fans. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Although I wonder if they're banking on them being Richard Madden and Taryn Edgerton. I mean, maybe. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to jump in with a purely objectification-related point, I want more of Richard Madden in every movie I see. She wants all of Richard Madden in every movie she sees. Exactly. (laughs) More of Richard Madden is not a bad thing. Anyway, I mean, we'll see what happens. Maybe they will decide not to. But I think the the real issue, I mean, maybe if, if, if from an editorial standpoint, it turns out that the scene doesn't even really add any value to the movie then fine whatever but if it's about cutting it for the for the rating that's something that I mean in general the rating system is completely fucked up and we really need to examine it more closely because there's like I mean what you were saying about different types of relationships but also just like some movies you can have beheadings and other movies you can't and it's it doesn't make sense and the entire system needs to be reevaluated. For sure. And Agreed. at the very least, maybe this topic will help kind of force that to happen. I don't know. Yeah, one would hope. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Um <laughs> what else do we have? Did you guys see To All the Boys I've Loved Before when it was on Netflix last year and it became a smash hit on Netflix and everybody loved it? I did too, yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's such a cute movie. I love it so much. I made so many friends watch it. I I don't even know how many times I saw it. Um, well, guess what? There is a sequel coming, and because it was such a successful film directed by a woman, they've given the sequel to a male director, because of course oh, very they cool. did. Ah. <laughs> very cool. Yes, that's super fun. Um, this is the thing, like... And it happened Yeah, again. so it's funny, because when Wonder Woman... When Patty Jenkins signed on for Wonder Woman 1984... And we on this podcast were talking about what a huge deal that was. And all these guys were like, no, that's not a big deal. Of course she was going to get the sequel. And we're like, no, 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 no. There's no of course about it. Because this happens all the time where a woman directs the first film in a franchise. And then the sequels all go to men. That happened with feminist text Twilight, (laughs) right? I'm kidding. Yeah, it did. Twilight. It happened with Fifty yeah. Shades. It happened with um. Oh, uh, yep. Yeah. Mama Mia. Why would they yeah. do that? Oh, yeah, it's like these almost these, every time. The first ones of these franchises are always like smash hits at the box office and stuff. Like, why would they then be like, "Well, a woman did such a good job, so we can't trust her to do it again"? Like, why is that the thinking? It's, it's almost like there's some inherent what? bias no, in this system. That's not. 
my, my guess is that they give they give the project to the person who has the perspective to make the project and then once the franchise starts doing well they're like let me help out my friend over here like i feel like it's mm. probably just a boys club bullshit yeah, well, I think what happens is, like, in the case of, say, Twilight, where Catherine Hardwick was this director that a lot of people didn't know her name. Yeah. And they give this movie to her thinking, oh, this is something that just a bunch of teenage girls are going to see. It's not going to make a ton of money. They didn't give her a big budget. And then the movie ended up, they completely underestimated the audience. It makes hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. It's very successful. And then they're right. like, oh oh, well, we want this to actually do well, so now we're going to give it a big budget. Oh, yeah, money and then they hand it over to someone else. But they gave it to Catherine Hardwick in the first place because they didn't expect it to do anything, and they didn't care if they tested tested the waters with the female director. And then and once they the did time, it with the female so. director, they're like, okay, let's give a real budget Ugh. to a man. So Yeah, I, exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, also thinking... Thinking off the cuff about to the movies that we're talking about, Twilight, Mamma Mia, Fifty Shades, these are all movies that are geared towards female audiences. Mm -hmm. These are all movies that are geared towards female audiences, quote unquote, chick flicks. So, yeah, they're they're underestimating these movies. They're assuming that, oh, maybe, you know, okay, fine, give it to a woman. And then suddenly these become franchises. And, oh, look, it's big budgets. I am looking up the director or the guy who's, like, slated to direct on IMDb. He is a – he's got no – He's a, yeah. a cinematographer, so he's he has a lot no of credits as a cinematographer, <laughs> but the only other thing he's directed is a short film, so he doesn't have any experience, but they're still like, oh yeah, give this guy with no directorial experience this movie. He's like, why do they think... I mean, but that happens all the time. I feel like there's, a, with the exception of Patty Jenkins, like there's so many marvel and dc movies that it's like a male director will make one movie that maybe does okay at like sundance and has some buzz and then all of a sudden they're given the reins to these gigantic projects because they're like look at this young buck and that's like really cool and exciting for them but it never happens for women like young women don't get to direct movies exactly yeah i mean (laughs) Colin yeah. Trevor. Yeah. No, that was the name that, that popped into my head too. Like, oh, he does one movie that does okay, and then suddenly he's supposed to direct a Star Wars right. movie, and it's just like, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, he had Jurassic World in there too, but still, like, they got they gave him Jurassic World after and that movie sucked. It's so bad. Film, so yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so terrible. I hate that movie so much. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> so hate that bad. movie on this podcast, but but yeah. um but yeah, so Michael Fimignari, I think is how you say that. He was the DP on the first movie. Okay. And so now he gets promoted to director. I mean, I'm sure that some of their justification is that the first director, now she's going to be the executive producer. But I was just like, wait, wait, wait. She's an executive producer. So she's not even producing the movie. She's just right. putting her name on it, basically. Yeah. So I, mean, I don't understand. There are so many options. I believe she is. She is saying that it's because of her other projects. So, and I mean, I'm sure she, she knows that's fine, but I'm sure there are a few other women out there that could direct this. And I'm sure, like, you know, she probably knows exactly. her cinematographer very well. The cast, what Mary, like, may well be familiar with him. He may be a terrific person. It's just like this franchise is not 
the you know this doesn't need to happen again this doesn't need to right. keep happening right yeah. yeah this is such a such a like this is the basically the definition of a chick flick is this this movie and it's just and it's I wish so that like if when a man even if a man does get offered this job I'm like waiting for the man that turns it down and and says like this doesn't seem like something that I'm qualified right. to direct uh, this isn't mm-hmm. my story like where is that woke hero who will yeah. who will turn down he, the check to be like let's give this work to someone who who it makes more sense and if to the argument exactly hey i've got a friend that would be right yeah if the argument is like oh well you know we wanted to promote someone who worked on the first movie or who you know is familiar with the story and stuff like that and your only options were men because only men had been hired to work on set then like that's also a problem like you have like you got to diversify your your crew so that you don't just have a million men working on the set Mm -hmm. exactly boo exactly (laughs) so let's see i know and now it's like man i was so excited for the sequel and now i'm not and that makes me really sad i mean i'll probably still watch watch it it. whatever but i'm not gonna be happy about it (laughs) i mean of course i will watch it but uh, doesn't mean i'm okay with it Exactly. I just hope people will be less creepy about teenage boys mm-hmm. after this one. Although hopefully he'll be in college now. So <laughs> Not <who knows>? a chance. <laughs> oh man, that was so disturbing. Can I just tell you? Um, let's see. So this week we had a couple of big studio things that popped up. Um, Disney, I don't know if you heard, but Disney bought Fox. Yes. Which, you know, finally that deal closed. Yeah. <laughs> so... House of Mouse will be ruling us oh, all much, But, you know, hey, as long as they keep sending me those checks for writing good Marvel reviews, I'm fine with it. Oh, wait. I wasn't supposed <laughs> to say Disney that out Marvel loud. Checks, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, so they, so a lot of people were concerned about the deal for good reasons, but um, one of the big problems that happened, one of the unfortunate things that comes out of a merger like this is that the first thing Disney did after the deal closed was they announced that they were closing up Fox 2000. And this means the layoffs of a lot of people. It also means an entire branch of Fox is gone. And and um, it's it's really sad. I mean, Fox yeah, 2000 they did... Um, oh. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the list. I love Simon, right? They what? What'd you say? They were I love Simon, right? Yeah. And that was... Yeah. I'm mostly movie. sad about the job losses. Um, and yeah. that's like... Because all movie studios are evil. And I'm sure that it, there'll be like the first wave of like, we're so sad this company shut down. And then it'll be like, but actually... Fox Studios is canceled. And it's like, well, they already were canceled. Um, I just feel badly that (laughs) so many people have lost their jobs so suddenly. There's been so many, like, terrifying mergers. I lost my job to an AT&T merger last year. Like, it's just, like, it's really affecting uh, the, the jobs ecosystem out here. And it's, like, sad to see your friends losing their livelihood because... Um, you know, mm-hmm. Disney requires more <laughs> money so that they one day may own our very souls. Uh, it, 
Makes me they already own mine. I mean, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, but yeah, no, it's true. And I've had friends that have been losing jobs in the industry. No one so far in this Fox deal, but I'm sure that's coming too. Because I know a lot of when you work in L- in LA, when you live in LA, you know people in the industry all over the place, and even down to secretaries and and uh, administrative assistants. Yeah. And it's it really does affect so many people, <sighs> and it affects the local economy and. It's, it's it's really sad. sad and it's like the studio there are so many i've it's been kind of fun to read through like old stories about the studio i love like the old hollywood stuff of like shirley temple and all this stuff i don't know it is sad um and you know business i i i feel like this disney now owns so much that like lawmakers should start taking a look at it because it seems like People have been down this road before right. of like, where is the cap of how much of control you have over an industry? Because this is like, seems like disproportionate mm-hmm. control of the entertainment industry. Especially because they're they're buying up all, all the properties that are so huge at the box office. Like, because, between them owning Star Wars, Marvel, and then, yeah, just like all of those that end up being the most lucrative movies of the year like and because yeah there's some like, monopoly shit going on here <laughs> and because they own all that stuff it's like we are all going to sort of have to sign up for this new disney streaming service or miss out on all these gigantic like it's so it's so strategic and i guess like i mean i don't know I, I, it, it freaks me out yeah 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 me too i mean because i don't I don't understand where the line is. When does it become a monopoly? I mean, at this point, the I've read an estimate that said that they control around 60% of the studio Whoa. market now. And that's troubling because... That seems like that's a monopoly right there. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, how does this not become a monopoly? How did this this deal yeah. get approved? Um, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. And it is Yeah, concerning. I don't understand enough about, like, business to, like know when something like <laughs> this this i mean this happened yeah. in old hollywood like the studios own exactly. the means of distribution the means of exhibition like and then like everything collapsed because they were like no this is not allowed you can't own every aspect of entertainment and yeah so i i'm wondering right. like if one day soon we'll you know someone steps in i mean probably not under probably not under this administration um but hopefully under another Mm -hmm. yeah it's true but there was some good news that came out of um the movie world this week and that was when the criterion channel which launches officially on april 8th they announced their first month of programming and yeah I'm super excited about what they're doing because um, it's not just you know because Criterion has a lot of titles that they uh, have distribution for so it seemed like okay this is going to be you know just they're going to release all their catalog that whatever they have the streaming rights to but they've actually been making deals with all kinds of smaller programmers too so it's pretty cool. They've, they're going to have a lot of curation, which is one of the things I think is missing with stuff like Netflix and, and Hulu is it's like you go on there and you just have to kind of look for whatever it is that you want to find. Sometimes they're good at 
making suggestions for you but a lot of times you know movies that I really Mm -hmm. want to see I have to go looking for but the Criterion channel has some very specific ways that they're going to be um, introducing things to subscribers so they've got spotlights and everything what I thought was cool too is everything that they add to their channel um, will be available for a minimum of 90 days so that's cool so if something's there you have some time to to catch up with it but they're also doing every single day they're adding new content and they have different um different ways to do that so like they'll have um conversations with screenwriters and then those people will choose movies to include um directors they've got a david lynch thing that's coming up they're like it's just really fun i don't know if you guys looked at the the announcement or looked at the list of yeah, what's coming. Yeah, I'm scrolling coming. through it now. I haven't seen the list. This is, this is exciting. I, I like, especially what you said about curation, too, because it is so, like, I feel like now the way we discover movies is, like, sort of changed. I, just the way we've, the same way we discover music, it's now kind of, with the exception of, like, Spotify, you know, doing pay-for-play algorithm stuff, it's kind of, like, open season and you just sort of like so much of the stuff I en- I've enjoyed on Netflix I found on accident um and having an expert sort of be like oh if you like this like this is actually something that makes sense like that I don't know I miss that I miss being having a person and a face telling me you know what what to what to watch yeah that's awesome Kim what do you think I that noir list excites the hell out of me. Um, the example that's jumping to mind: Experiment in Terror, that like 1962 Blake Edwards. I think it's Glenn Ford. Really, really look. I haven't seen that in a long time, and I think that was on VHS at that point. So some of, I mean, I'm still carrying the film Struck Torch, but I am really excited for some of those, and I'm thinking about maneuvering the money to subscribe. <laughs> Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely subscribed as soon as I could because what's cool is if you guys haven't already done it, if you sign up by April seventh, which is the day before they launch, then you are guaranteed the discount oh, rate. Cool. It's like a dollar off every month, um, or you can do a whole year and it's like ten dollars cheaper or something. But you also get a an extended thirty day trial, so you wouldn't even get charged the first time until oh, May. Nice. So, my yeah. mom has signed up. My, my mom, my mom was a subscriber uh, to Filmstruck, and then she was sad when that, you know, uh, kicked the bucket. Is yeah. that the expression? <laughs> um, and then <laughs> that works. Yeah. And then she was like very excited to learn about the this uh, Criterion Channel. Um, service and she's already really? signed up and um, she was talking to me at length about it on the phone yesterday and she's like, I don't, she's like, I don't know how it works. Do like, do I give you my password? And I'm like, yeah, I'll just like send me your login credentials. She's like, oh. still doesn't know how oh my God, internet great. works. But Caitlin, like, <laughs> send me your mom's login credentials. Oh Let's make this happen. <laughs> I will. Yes, <laughs> I will. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I know. I'm I'm excited. I was heartbroken when Filmstruck closed because I, you know, unlike my co-hosts, I haven't studied extensively in classic film and it that was that was my way of of finding all these movies that I should have seen by now and never did. And so when that went away, I was just so sad because the studios are not interested in releasing those catalogs because 
there's not any yeah. money in it now. And so having... So they think. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Warner Brothers' solution is that for their streaming service that they're launching next year, the top tier gives you access to their classic films. Like, wait, so I have to pay the uh-huh. most money to get That's that. still yeah, bullshit. Okay. Don't even get me started. That made me angry. Oh, I know. But with Criterion, it's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm optimistic because this is still... It's... Yeah, it's not quite what Filmstruck was, it looks like. But first of all, I'm glad that they took some time to actually figure out how to how to do this the right way and how to really make this an experience that people want to have and something that is valuable and is different. It's not just throwing a bunch of old movies out onto the internet for us to watch. It's yeah, There's I'm some excited. actual thought and, and mm-hmm. consideration behind that. So I'm really glad about it. All right. So let's see. Kim... Would you like to share your thirst trap? Yes. And this, uh, so this news broke yesterday. It's been kind of long and coming for a while. Those who keep up with the website might remember a few, oh God, it must be a month ago now. I dropped a lengthy thirst trap on Matthew Reese. I had gotten into the Americans really, really, really hard in November while I had the plague and binge through pretty much that entire thing. And So that, you know, I've been following his career in earnest. Meanwhile, I've also been following that long gestate. There's been a long gestating Perry Mason reboot kind of bouncing around Hollywood and development hell for years upon years. For the longest time, it had Robert Downey Jr. attached. And okay, I'm like, whatever. I, I, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is fine. I don't really pay that much attention there. I've always watched the Perry Mason reruns because old tv fan what else can i say so what recently they signed matthew reese onto the perry mason reboot so my, my ears perked up as i was intrigued kim was intrigued and then yesterday they announced hbo was picking that limited series it's a limited series apparently they're picking it up for a full season and so Kim is even more intrigued. Then I found out that not only is it going to be Perry Mason, but it's a period, you know, a period accurate Perry Mason. So there will probably, as soon as this comes into, uh, comes to my television screen, which I have not seen a date yet. I don't know when that is going to happen. But now we have Matthew Reese in World War II clothing in a kind of noir Los Angeles. I, if anyone knows Kim and keeps up with the thirst traps, <laughs> this can't get much. Life cannot get much better than this. So we will they have made a, this for you. I know this is this is like the series for me. So any ambivalence I had about a Perry Mason movie <laughs> set up or a Perry Mason TV series is completely out the window now. Give me Matthew <laughs> Reese in a fedora in a fedora and a Dory outfit. <laughs> I will watch if I will promote your show. I will watch your show. I will fucking review that positively. Just I give just, it to me now. I, I just very pleasantly there's surprised there's people that still stand for Perry Mason so hard. Like that's good to that's I, good. I truly I do too. <laughs> I am I'm so happy for you and I hope that it, it works out that, that this goes through and <laughs> like oh, yeah. I, I but I will watch that shit. <laughs> I never, I've never seen any of the episodes of the original show. The only thing I know about Perry Mason is that it's an Ozzy Osbourne song <laughs> about the show. Like that was that's my only um, 
yeah, introduction. See, to show you how tragically <laughs> unhip I am, I did not know that there was an Ozzy Osbourne song. <laughs> it's pretty good I I used to listen to Ozzy Osbourne a lot as a younger kid I was that 10 year old watching the Perry Mason TV movies in the 90s that everybody kind of remembers with a you know a chuckle with the bad TV movies and then uh, oh they were so bad the old ones they were so bad but so fun but Matthew Reese we can keep talking about because he's adorable (sighs) Yeah, he really is. Did you guys Elf watch and adorable and I'm so happy. <laughs> Did you guys watch The Americans? I was so obsessed with that show. No, I didn't. No, I haven't seen any of it. I don't watch a whole lot of uh especially drama TV. If I am going to watch TV, it's it's probably comedy. So I it takes a lot for me to get invested in If I'm going to watch TV, it's series. usually going to be bad. And <laughs> I love all bad television. <laughs> Hey, I I will never not watch The Bachelor, so I'm I, I like I like bad TV too. Um, yeah, well, thank you, Kim. Um, let's see. So we had a couple of trailers this week. I don't know if you guys saw the trailer, the teaser for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I just saw that last uh, the other night. Before I was us. I was underwhelmed. Posters. <laughs> Underwhelmed, yes. Let's talk about that because I think that was the experience for a lot of us. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, like the poster. I thought was goofy. I forgot someone said something about how like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio looks like Brad Pitt's Tyler Durden in the on the, in the poster <laughs> for the movie. Which I thought was kind of funny. I don't know. It's weird. It's like. Quentin Tarantino movies are so difficult because it's like I want to be past wanting to see the new Quentin Tarantino movie and I think a lot of people might feel the same way uh, but I'm not and I'm mad at myself for that <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not past it every time I see a new trailer for a Tarantino movie I'm like oh how many times is a white person gonna say the n-word in this right movie? right like how many tight shots of feet and offensive racial stereotypes are going to be in this <laughs> And it's like, but at this point, that's such common knowledge, but we're all still out here and we're all like, I'm going to see this movie and I feel weird about myself, but I love, I mean, I, the one thing is I'm excited for Margot Robbie's performance. I think that's the performance I'm most looking forward to because I, I stand Margot Robbie uh, and I, you know, gotta go. She played Tanya Harding. I have to, I have to go. <laughs> I do love. I her. didn't realize that she was in this. I didn't. She's see her in the uh, she plays. She was in there. She was she just set design. Yeah, yeah. She yeah, is the director. She was barely set decoration. That was what mm-hmm. killed me okay. with that trailer. Was I mean, it completely underwhelmingly fine. But I think I even tweeted. You know, I'm guess I'll withhold judgment until they actually see fit to give her a line because I think she dances. I think she yeah. poses, and you see her four times, and she she decorates the shot that's there's little and it's like marco robbie is used like that pretty frequently in movies uh which is like i mean like starting with wolf of wall street like she i I feel like she's always put in these very objectified roles and then acts her way out of it which is not a fair challenge to be given but i always have faith that she will a testament to her skill the woman makes a damn meal of stuff 
Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. But then she gets, you know, a, she worked into films like I, Tanya and Mary Queen of Scots. And it's like, see, this is, this is worth it. You right. know, she's so good. And I just, I wish that all of her roles were so meaty and, and gave her the opportunity to, to show people what she can really do. And uh, I just, I, I'm, yeah. I'm so over Quentin Tarantino and I think it took me a long time to feel like I could actually admit that because, I mean, I, I I write for a film site that covers awards and he's a frequent topic of conversation. Every time he has a movie out, everyone just assumes it's going to be nominated yeah. for Best Picture because a lot of them are. But yeah. I just, you know, it's like it's blasphemy to question the quality of his films. And I'm just like, but I don't think he's that good of a filmmaker. And I this bet- might be the year for the reckoning of Quentin, depending on whether this movie is good or not. I mean, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. He's I mean- going the way of James, James Cameron, the overrated dinosaur. Yeah. Ooh, uh, James uh-huh. Cameron directed Titanic, and therefore he can do no wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he is our king, and we love him. We can't uh, no, good, James, yeah. I mean, I mean, legally, Avatar, we like, have to he stand needs to quiet down. Oh um, God, I he needs to just stop talking exactly too. But it's like, why were there not? five titanic sequels like why like no one liked avatar like why are you making that, more yeah. of these that i could have supported but yes post avatar <laughs> is exactly my point yeah 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 i want to see the movie where rose learned to fly that plane you know Ooh, yes see well, let's get a, a a roof a ruth s- s- spinoff where you know we see what her mom is up to we need a molly yeah. brown spinoff yeah like, we need all sorts we, of stories <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh. yep so um but yeah oh and those posters too for for this it's like they're it's like they're trying to make this look like it's gonna be a really terrible movie so that people lower their expectations that's i don't know <laughs> i mean since what was it uh the hateful eight i was like yeah tarantino is perhaps been given too much creative liberties mm-hmm in this industry because that movie was i need to i need to rewatch the hateful eight i haven't i remember not loving it when i saw it but i never like revisited it probably for that reason yeah Yeah, it was it was like an hour and a half too long and visually boring because it all takes place in a cabin (laughs) so Uh, i still the only it's weird because I feel like people have different Tarantino movies that they're like, but he did make this. But I was like so attached to the Kill Bill movies when I was a teenager that I'm like, man, I want to give him a chance. But you just it's at this point, his his blind spots are so commonly known and he seems to have done no work to um, remedy them. And so it's just like, uh, you know. Well, not just that. I feel like he doubles down on it. Like, oh yeah, you guys think sure. that's what I am? I'll prove you that you're right. I'm gonna make sure to just do it extra, you know. And it's it's frustrating. Uh, so see, the Twitter rumors I keep seeing is that because everybody's asking how's he gonna get around this whole Sharon Tate thing. I keep seeing people bringing up that he's probably gonna do some kind of alternate history and glorious bastards. You know, Sharon Tate kills you know Charlie Manson or something. Uh, oh. I'd be, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'd be down for that <laughs> as long as Sharon Tate is the victorious one like 
you know, don't fumble that one. Could could we also have her uh, kill Roman points? <laughs> yeah, yes, great. please. Ooh, yes. Although all the oppressors, right? Although this is Tarantino, and so what will probably happen is that Brad Pitt learning martial arts from from Bruce Lee, like as a stuntman, he's gonna come in and like save the day or something stupid. Like that's oh, he'll burst in yeah. and save Sharon yeah. Tate. Yeah, yeah. 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 I know I know but you also have to remember Quentin Tarantino originally wanted this movie released on the 50th anniversary of Sharon Tate's murder so oh my god I didn't know that oh yeah that was the original release date and then Sony was like um let's change that so they moved it up two weeks now it's coming out in July instead of August oh my god that's horrifying oh yeah 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 Mm mm-hmm so that's that's where his mindset still is. Cool. So, cool. Yeah. Sounds like a great guy. I know. Isn't that just the person that you want telling all these stories? <laughs> yeah. Um so we had there were a couple of other trailers. Didn't we talk about Aladdin last time, Kim? Oh, there was brief talk last week about talking it about it again, which was the only reason I added it. Oh, well. Oh, maybe we did. I can't I edited the episode last week and I, I have know. no idea. Kristen I likes to talk about sexy Jafar, so we can Ooh, save that for sexy. her. I think that unless... was discussed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, unless Jamie and Caitlin have some thoughts that you I'm would like to share. I'm pro-sexy Jafar. That's, that's my only take. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, th- like, I remember the um, Will Smith genie getting a lot of backlash uh, when the first trailer dropped or like when the first images of him uh, were released and then I was I was ambivalent about it I'm like yeah the genie is blue like why is everyone flipping out about Will Smith being blue I think he just looked badly and rendered then, um, I yeah yeah and then I don't know I love Aladdin so much uh, the you know animated one from what yeah. year is that 90 uh, Two ish, I think. 90, yeah, um, I love that movie so much that I will see this new one, even though I think Disney needs to stop making these live action reboots because yeah, they're generally not good. Uh, see <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, um, but yeah, I'm excited for it, and I'm gonna yeah, I'm just. I'll see it. I mean, I'll watch it. I'm not excited about it, but I'll watch it. But I mean, hopefully, yeah. Sexy Jafar makes it more yeah. watchable. If Sexy Jafar and Jeannie Will Smith kiss, Ooh, wow, interesting slash fiction. Now, now we that could movie. be interesting. I hope that slash fiction <laughs> happens for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. I thank know. you for I'm putting like, that image in my head, That's seriously. I, I, I approve. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, so, okay, so then there was one other trailer that came out this week that is an interesting project that I'm curious about. Did you guys see the trailer for Lucy in the Sky? No, I haven't seen yes. it. So this is a movie with Natalie Portman and it's based on the true story of, I don't know if you guys remember from a few years ago, several years ago, 
about the astronaut who was having an affair with another astronaut and she like drove across the country oh yes <laughs> yeah and wearing diapers yeah so she could oh just, my like, gosh she didn't have to stop i love her <laughs> So this, so this movie is not exactly the story. It's like an adaptation of that story. It's a fictionalized version of oh, it. I love. But her. Natalie Portman, yeah, Natalie Portman well, plays good. her. I, Natalie, if you've got a woman who drives across the country wearing diapers to like go and confront the guy that's cheating on that's, her, that's yeah, the story, that's right? The like, story. I that needs to be this it needs to be a road trip movie where she's just like pissing in her this is the content i crave this is what the people want this does not appear what based on the trailer that is not what well caitlin we've got to rate that movie the diaper the diaper ladies need more representation (laughs) and and also natalie portman i was so disappointed in vox lux that i'm ready to see a great natalie portman movie Yes, yes, I totally agree because yeah. oh, Fox Lux was terrible. So but. bad, yeah. Kim, would you like to to talk a little bit about your love of John Hamm? Uh, well, bad times in El Royale, John <laughs> Hamm in those glasses. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. I I will say if there's anybody who's going to play a sexy cheating astronaut, John Hamm is perfectly cast. <laughs> That's I, true. That's almost it reminds me of that um, I, I, that Thirty Rock joke. What was that recurring 30 rock joke about like astronaut mike dexter i'm like that sounds that sounds <laughs> like johnny yes. even though he plays the hook-handed guy <laughs> I, I started watching this trailer and i had some kind of weird memory because i could have sworn this was going to be scarlett johansson i'm like wait a second is this the diaper wearing astronaut i'm like where's the diaper where's scarlett what's going on here <laughs> It's, I, I, I'll, I'll be there. I'm, I'm intrigued, and I like, like everyone else, like you guys just said, I want to see a good Natalie Portman role again. I love her, and she needs to, you know, do more. It looks visually interesting. That could be the Noah like Hawley. Noah he Hall, tends yeah. to be very visual. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I'm really intrigued with how this could go, and I, I'm, I'm definitely interested. Great. Yeah, he's definitely good at. Yeah, because he's done, like, he did Fargo. Did he also do, what was the other show? Was it The Legion? Aubrey Plaza show? Yeah. yeah. And so he's really got this... Yeah. He's got this really interesting style where he's really good at building up um, the intrigue, and but also bringing in good blends of humor and things like that. So, I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting and... Yeah, Zazie Beats oh, is in it too. It's oh, like put exciting. her in everything. Like, yeah, I love her. So, yeah. So that's that is Lucy in the Sky, and that will be in theaters. Um, oh, they haven't released the. They haven't announced the actual release date yet. But I mean, there's a trailer, so it'll be out this year. Some, sometime this year. I'm guessing that'll probably mm. premiere at like Toronto, and then be yes. out in the fall. That's my guess. So. Yeah. All right. So this week there was a little movie that opened in theaters that's on track to have a really good weekend. And that is Jordan Peele's follow up to his first movie, um, Us. No spoilers. I haven't seen it yet. Yes. I have been. (laughs) Yeah, we will not spoil this movie, which is actually difficult to talk about without spoiling it. 
but um, that's okay. We can do it. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have found that to it's be so true. Hard, but um, I've been excited for this movie ever since I first heard about it, like last year sometime. And I mean, Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke, how could you not be excited? So, Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I want them to just be in every I, movie. I now stand Winston Duke. I... <laughs> I wasn't there yet. I wasn't quite putting that together, but I now stand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Kim, why don't you start us out? Why don't you share your basic thoughts? I'm on taking us. my headphones out for a minute. I'm scared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that's a real struggle because yeah, my one qualm with the film was happens deep, deep, deep into the third act. I, I thought, I felt like it had a lot of trouble finding its like natural kind of ending point. There was about eight different points starting midway through where I'm like, okay, this would be perfect if it ended now. And then it oh, kept interesting. going. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I, they provide an answer. What kind of within the, of kind of what's going on and what all of this is. And for me, that completely stopped the entire narrative cold. I, the way it was shot, the way I was completely hooked in on the action, I thought it was terrifying. I was on edge. And then as soon as they kind of answer everything, it pulled me completely out of the movie. And I found myself completely distanced from it. And I mean, horror is completely subjective. And that's something that people are going to be, you know, oh, you know, people might not necessarily agree, but. The way they chose to do that, I would have been completely happy and probably more satisfied had they ended it on a more mysterious note. I mean, but other than that one kind of qualm, I was completely in awe by it. I said in my review, Lupita Nyong'o's queen and we're just living in her world yes. now. I thought she was absolutely stunning. Indeed. You know, all of those performances were amazing. I'd say 70, I'd say 90% of the movie was completely flawlessly executed. Yeah. It was just that one problem, but it was a hugely powerful one for me that I know had me kind of thinking about how am I going to review this and kind of what's my take on it. But I also do believe that I need to see it a second time because with Jordan Peele is such a smart, such a clever writer that you know those there's things in there that you're not necessarily going to get on that first view. Definitely. I feel the same way. I'm going to go see it again probably sometime this week. But for me, yeah, I, I feel much the same way in that for the first two acts of the movie, I am there. I am here for everything that's happening. I'm laughing. I'm scared. Like, it's a very effectively done horror movie. And then we enter the third act and I'm like, wait, what did, what? <laughs> what, huh? Uh, this is the thing. And then why? And then how? And then who? And then what? Um, <laughs> yep. I feel like it's attempt to answer the question only made me have a million more questions to the extent that like I had to, after the movie, I like went to a bar with my friend who I had seen it with and we talked for like two and a half hours just being like, well, wait a minute. What about how did this and why and, and, and huh? And we like, I just, I had so many, I think I basically, I think that, that there's some serious story logic issues that are introduced toward the end that I don't really know how to feel about. Wait, I'm checking in. But again, then, first two okay. acts of the movie. Yeah. Checking in. <laughs> I'm yeah, suffering. I... Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm 
<laughs> yeah, I'm just going to say, because um, Kristen and I actually did a car critique on this that Patreon subscribers will get. Um, you sh you'll have it by the time you even get this episode but um so we go a lot more into depth without still without spoilers but talked a lot more so i'm just basically gonna say i think as a horror film this works really well and jordan peele is really good at knowing how and when to ratchet up the tension he knows mm -hmm. he knows how to do things that are very smart and there there are some really brilliant moments especially in those first two acts, especially I would say in that second act, some moments that are just so brilliant. And it's like, why do more horror movies not let their characters act like this, you know? And, and it was great, but I agree when it gets to, when it gets to where you start getting answers, it doesn't help. It just gives you more questions that then it gives you no yeah. possibility of answering them. So I left off feeling very frustrated. And that was, that was disappointing. Yeah, I think, and I think, I mean, I'm just like a very like logic based person. So I need to know the things that are presented in front of me. Like I want the questions answered and I'm sure for some people, like they're completely satisfied by just being like, yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening, but it works for me. But like, I just, I can't, I need to like, I need to have all the information basically for me to yeah. feel satisfied and yeah, it doesn't, didn't, exactly. didn't happen. So, but I wouldn't say overall the movie is disappointing. It's just, it doesn't fully, it didn't give me exactly oh, what, I, what I was yeah. hoping for um, as far as how I felt about it. But I definitely would say go watch it. Go go check it out. Go form your own opinion yeah, about it. Yeah, I highly recommend seeing yeah. it. Yeah, definitely. I'm Go sing it for Lupita, oh, if know. nothing less. That performance was so 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 and the so kids amazing. too like he gets great the performances out of those kids they're so fantastic yes mm -hmm. child child actors are not good usually <laughs> and these kids were like fucking awesome well he knew how to use them and that goes a long way he knew when to let them talk when to have them just shut up like they they never get annoying which is so good yeah. so yeah I'm so my my friend is in town right now and she's terrified of seeing uh, horror movies in the theater. So I'm just like, <laughs> can't go until Tuesday and I'm dying. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. No, it was funny. I was at a press screening when I saw it and I had my sweater rolled up in a ball and I was just like holding it for the first <laughs> like, I don't know, 45 minutes or something the 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 writer that so was sitting funny. next to me he just kept looking over at me like laughing because he thought it was hilarious but he'd already seen the movie before so he already knew where the scary parts were and I was like yeah this isn't fair uh -huh. so yeah <laughs> any final thoughts all right well that's going to uh wrap things up for this week um Jamie and Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us. It's been thanks really fun to have us. you. Of course. Thanks for, thanks for having thank us. You. Yeah, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs? Jamie, you go for it. Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jamie Loftus Help and on Instagram at uh, Jamie Christ Superstar. 
Nice. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caitlin Durante. That's Caitlin spelled with a C and an A and an I T L I N. Uh, and then you can follow us, uh, our our podcast, the Bechtel Cast, um, on all the platforms at Bechtel Cast, and that's spelled B E C H D E L. And yeah, we just uh, we pick apart a different movie every week and. And uh, talk about it uh, in the for, through a feminist lens. So that's yeah. what we and do. And seriously, if you haven't been listening, you gotta check it out because it's a great podcast. I love it. Thank oh. you. Highly recommend. So, your Alfred Molina episode. I've probably listened to. Oh three my god. Times. <laughs> 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 Are you still over the moon about that? Yeah, I'm never going to be the same <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nope, he's amazing. You're amazing. So, um, Kim, where can the people find you? I'm at Twitter and Instagram at kpier624. I am at Karen M. Peterson on the Twitter and Instagrams. And um, you know where to find Lauren and Kristen. We don't have to tell you. But go find them and tease them about slutting it up or whatever so but for the podcast you can find us on twitter at citizen dame pod you can find us sometimes we go to facebook not that often but sometimes uh, facebook.com slash citizen dame email us citizen dame pod at gmail.com Make sure to check out our website, citizendamepod.com, for um, more of Kim's Thirst Traps, Feminist Fridays. Um, what else do we do over there? Our weekly top fives. Um, uh, Lauren's Damestrucks. Yep. All the fun things. Um, we are also getting ready to start up our What I Did for Love series again with new options as soon as I get time to watch my last one and put that up there. <laughs> I've had a lot of stuff going on, okay? Um, yeah, so... And also, of course, our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Citizen Dame. And there you can hear Kristen and I do our car critiques after we go to press screenings. And then we talk about movies on the way home. And so it's our instant reactions to them. And we're getting ready to do our new March Madness bracket. This time we're talking about villains we want to fuck. <laughs> Hell yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. So uh, that's going to finish everything off. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Creep on in, on in, on in. Thank mm-hmm. you.